On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, I'm joined by Jurgen Coney as my special co-host, and we have Max von Aachen on the show, and we're going to discuss the second results of the NBA All-Star voting for the fans. We're going to discuss the Derrick Rose trade to New York, and then we're going to get into our pass or shoot and conference big three segments. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is friend of the show and substitute fill-in co-host, Jurgen Coney. Jurgen, what's up, man? Nothing much, Stephen. Uh, uh, pleasure to be recording this with you. You know, I, I, we, we talked about it before the show, you know, I always love when you and Austin have me on and that you guys trust me. And I'm always excited when you have me talking uh helping you out with someone that knows basketball and we have another case like that today i'm excited man yeah man and you know austin's my dude and he had stuff come up today no emergency so if you're kind of thinking something bad's happening with austin is just you know a, a scheduling thing but not a big deal we got jerg in and you jerg you alluded to the fact that we got a cool guest on today um who we have on is matt is a uh, max van auken he is the host of the uh, max van auken podcast or the mvp show um, he is a radio personality on 104.7, and he's also affiliated with Sports Talk 2319. Max, how's it going, man? I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, everything is going great. You know, every day, just grateful. Everything's going on. One thing about 2020 um, made me just kind of appreciate everything a little bit more. And so just coming on shows and uh, talking to you guys, it's always great. So I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you, man. It's a real treat and a real um, honor to have you on. I've worked with uh, similar people who you've worked with. It's nice that you know our our connections finally lined up to where we could have each other on. And uh, I've been been looking for an opportunity to have you on. So, um, you know, just again appreciate your time. But before we get into our, um, you know, our sh- our show and what we planned on covering, if you just want to take a little bit of time and let the people know, you know, what you do for you know twenty three nineteen what you do on 104.7, things like that. Okay, sure. Um, so first I have the, the Max Van Auken podcast, the MVP. Um, my name could be hard to spell, so it was just either abbreviations worked out perfectly bad. Um, so it's a sports podcast where I talk NBA, of course, because I cover the Orlando Magic. Um, so a lot of my NBA interviews would be on there, but also a lot of radio personalities, podcasts, um, other hosts of podcasts, UFC fighters, talk NFL, um, so really just talk a little bit of everything and try to get as many different perspectives as possible. It's one thing I love about doing podcasts is I get to learn from so many different people. Um, so that, that's first. And then I also, like I said, covered the Orlando Magic. And that's also for more 4.7 right here in my hometown, um, Daytona Beach, Frank Scott. And then definitely work very closely with Rashad Phillips, a part of Sports Talk 2319 and um, what he's been able to teach me and what he's really building over there is truly special. So being able to work with him um, and Dom and Tina and Kate, it's just been incredible. So I've worked very closely with them day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. And you do good work, man. And I'm thrilled to death to have you on. Jerg, I know we we spoke all, offline about this as well. I know you're looking forward to the conversation as well, man. Yep. Always, always love talking to someone that like knows the game. I always like learning something. <laughs> Whenever we have someone that knows so much, I love taking information. So, like I said, I'm excited for this. It's the best. I appreciate that. Likewise, the feeling is definitely mutual. I know what you're feeling. It's 
one thing I love about podcasts and talking with other people is you don't have to agree with me or I may not agree with you, but I can take away something. I can learn something. Oh yeah. Uh, and from you and your perspective, Oh, I didn't look at the game that way, or I didn't see it that way. And it just allows me to kind of learn a little bit. So that's why I love doing it. Absolutely. It's good stuff. Well, Maxim, we're going to go ahead and get into it now. And we've had some people on talking about the all-star voting, and I'm really interested to get your take on this. Well, first off, I just want to share with you my feelings on all-star voting. I think as fans, we're kind of spoiled that we get as much say in it as we do. And I probably wouldn't feel this way if guys didn't literally have money on the line for this. And I don't know if you've had much time to look at the second return to the fan votings, but they're probably just as head scratching, if not more, as the first round that we had. And uh, what what are your overall feelings on fan voting for All Star Games? First off, uh, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that perspective. Like I saw Alex Caruso was pretty high on the fan voting. Eric Clay Thompson got some votes. I know Carmelo got a lot of votes. So obviously, there's going to be head scratchers on there. Like, okay, Alex Caruso. I love Alex Caruso. Don't get me wrong, but he's not an All Star. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just a way to get fans involved because one thing about the NBA, so the NFL is the most watched, but the NBA is the most talked about. And so it's their way to get people talking. It's um, especially with today's day and age where I think social media highlights the NBA definitely dominates with that. Um, so I think it's just their way of engaging everybody. So from a business standpoint, it makes complete sense. Um, but for like purists of the game of basketball, um, it probably, like to your point, it's a lot of head scratchers on there. We're like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, Jerry, and what's your feeling on this, man? Because I'm looking at the Western Conference. You know, Max just touched on this for the guards. Clay Thompson is eighth. He hasn't even laced them up yet <laughs> right. at all this season. Uh, Alex Caruso is 10th. CJ McCollum, he's had a heck of a year, but he's missed a lot of time. He's ninth right here. And then if you look at the Western Conference front court, Carmelo Anthony is getting t- he's 10th place right now right. in in the front court vote in the West alone. We haven't even touched the East yet. Jerk, what do you what do you think about this? So like I, I'm very 50-50 on it. Like I definitely agree with you guys. I think like as fans, we don't realize how much of a privilege it kind of is to be able to vote. And not just with the NBA and the other sports as well, and the NFL and the MLB and the NHL. Like we literally have a say in who makes it to the all-star game, but we're not, we're not realizing, like you said, Steven, the financial implications for these guys to have to make the all-star game or the pro bowl. Like it, it's significant. It's a lot more important than people realize because while some players, it's kind of like, they're kind of iffy 50, 50 on it. Other guys know like, okay, if I rack up a couple of appearances, this will help me out on my next contract. And with the NBA and the last collective bargaining with, I think it's the Rose rule. When you hit a certain amount of milestones that, it allows you to negotiate for even more money. So the fact that certain players aren't getting enough votes or enough recognition, or like you guys have said, like a Caruso or a Carmelo or a Clay in their various situations are top 10 in the voting like that, that part kind of disappoints me there. No, that's a great yeah. point. That's a fantastic point. I don't mean to cut you off, but with so many different contracts on the line and extensions or qualifications on Hey, how many all-stars do you have? That's not, you don't want to play around uh, with someone's money so to your point that that's a fantastic point yeah yeah and yeah. and sometimes it's weird like like you said caruso remember uh how many years ago was that at this point that zaza Pachulia? like if, if <laughs> i'm not mistaken insane. i think Z- i think the whole zaza thing forced the nba to to switch how they get the starters if i'm not mistaken like that was the last year before they switched it to fans media and coaches or players excuse me 
so we got the Eastern Conference here too, guys. I want to touch on this. Jimmy Butler is fifth on the front court right now, which is again head scratching. And then for the guards, you know, we have Derrick Rose is eighth in the Eastern Conference guard spot, and then Fred Van Vliet is tenth. That he he jumped up against Ben Simmons, who isn't on my All Star team right now, but to me, he's more of an All Star right now than than Fred Van Vliet. So Max are. What are some of the names that you agree with who have made who are high up on the list? And then who are some of the guys that you would probably take out if it was left up to you? Well, when you look at the top of the list, guys like the KDs and the Giannis's, um, those are like, okay, I completely understand. What I'm really intrigued by is what do you do with the Bradley Beals, who he averaged 30 points per game and didn't make an all star team. So what's the difference right now? Because he should have made it before then. Um, and you can't say team success because the Wizards aren't doing well. Um, you also have the Zach Levines who's going for 40 every other night. And I really like Colin Sexton's game. I really like Colin Sexton's game. And so when you look at these certain players, that's what I'm most intrigued by. Because like I said, the, the front guys we know who are going to get it deserve it. But I want to see what they do with those guys. Um, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have to be in there. Um, I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons, but to your point, he's not having a better season than Zach Levine. Uh, so when I look at it from that point of view, um, if you're going statistically, you have to put those guys in there. Yeah, and Max, I'm interested to get your your take on this too. And like you said, everybody feels differently about this, and you can always take away something. What do you think about in the Western Conference right now, that right now Utah is one of the more surprising teams in the NBA right now, and we're we're going to talk more about them later on in the show. Right now, Rudy Gobert isn't in in here, and Donovan Mitchell he is, but he's fourth behind Steph, you know, Luca and, and Damian Lillard. So, and by a, a lot, lot of people, by a lot yeah, in the voting margin, correct. So there are people who have the mindset where if you're the best team in your particular conference, not only should you have an All Star, but there are some people that think that the best team should have two, regardless of what their stat lines look like and stuff like that. Do you kind of subscribe to that as well, or do you? Look at each individual uh, performance, regardless of record. Uh, for the All-Star game, I do individual. I'll do individual. Um, because we, if you go through the history of the All-Star game, there's tons of people who didn't really have a lot of success on their teams but got the All-Star nod because look at their stats. It's ridiculous. Um, and a lot of the times the leading scores or no, – I shouldn't say leading scores, but a lot of the leading statistical category guys may not always be on the number one or championship type of team. Um, so on that end, I would, I would go individually, but like for an MVP award, that's different. You need to have your team success, um, and you need to have impact. That's why I've really been critical of the MVP award a lot of times in the past, but with Donovan Mitchell and the Utah jazz, that's an interesting situation because me personally, I don't think Rudy Gobert should get on that list compared to other people, unless you have a like specific criteria, you need to have this amount of centers on the team. Um, I'm not sure if that's how they're doing it this year because I know they draft the players. But Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion, should certainly be on there. The number one player on the team, on the number one seed in the West. And it's not like he's, we're just giving it to him because they're having team success. The guy's still balling out, too. He still mm-hmm. has the stats to back it up. Yeah, absolutely agree. And right now they're doing they're still doing the front court and back court, so there's not the positions. And I think this right. season, Jerk, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 
they're not doing the the draft anymore. It's going to be East versus West this season. They're they're just starting to oh, implement wow. that back again. I, this I think so. Yeah, I think that it's one of those special things. Like all these sports trying to do various things to cut down on guys mingling as much as possible. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty I like sure I, I can confirm it. Oh man, I really liked the draft too. I thought it had such a different element to it. It just gave you that old pickup ball type of feel where it's like who right. has first pick, man. Yeah, yeah well, Max, turn, I have I have a I have a theory on why they got rid of it, and I was I'm kind of curious to see what your take on this is. I think players got tired of being the last guy picked. I think feeling I legitimately think that feelings got hurt, <laughs> and that and that's a reason. Do you think that there's any merit in what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. There's tons of egos involved in the NBA. Um, on top of that, it's also televised, <laughs> so everybody sees it. Correct. So it's not like it's just behind closed doors. Oh, okay, he was the last pick. Um, but I would, me, selfishly would disagree with that. Um, obviously, I'm not in a situation of being drafted, but if you don't want to be picked last, then you got to do better. Right. And, and also, it's not like you're getting picked last in the league or in the world. You're getting picked last in an all-star game. These are the best players in the world. It's not really an insult, in my opinion. It's like, hey, you made the all-star game. Yeah, but you and I and, and Jerg, too, and Austin as well, we we recognize that like wow okay like even though he's the last pick he's you know the the last of the best meanwhile right. there's people and you've seen him on twitter and instagram and other social media platforms where it, it's ring culture right it's pretty toxic like oh okay you lost the game you're trash you're a fraud you know you don't you yeah. don't deserve to be in the nba so those people also will throw names out on social media and tag said player in them so we would think like that max but not everybody else would agree Social media has created a false um, reality. And so a lot of people, it can either crush, it can make or break you. And you see a lot of people get involved with that and other people thrive off it because they know how to put the phone down. So to your point, yeah, it could definitely um, cause some damage. Yeah. And um, basically my thought process lines up with yours too, Max, and Jerg will get to yours too. I think that individual success plays a part in this because one it it's really hard for a team to succeed if it doesn't have one of the best coaches of all time or LeBron James on the team basically. Right. So you, you can't judge everyone based on like the, the 1%, right? So I I'm a big fan of Jeremy Grant this season. Not only do I think he should be, you know, most improved player. I think that he deserves to be an all-star regardless of Detroit's record. He's played phenomenal on both ends of the floor and anybody who's curious on why I feel that way, I would gladly point you to, you know, game film and statistics to be able to back up my take. He's doing a tremendous job. But Jurgen, what's your thought process on how you evaluate all stars? Uh, for the most part, individually, like the, the team success thing I take into account, it, it has to be a situational thing. Uh, and what I mean by that is there I think I think there are times where you can say like, OK, this is the best team or one or a top two team like they'd probably do deserve more two all stars or more like in Miami's four year run with the big three, like you cannot make the argument that they all three guys shouldn't have made the all-star team every year. Chris Bosch was such a critical piece and all the things he did, he deserved to be an all-star. But then in, I think it was the 2015 all-star game where Atlanta ended up being the best team in the East with 60 wins. Four of their five starters were in the all-star game. Like Millsap and Horford deserved it. But I, I think the other two were Corver and Jeff Teague and all due respect to both of those guys. Should they really have been? So that's why I think you need to go by situation. Like when Boston had their big three, of course, most likely all three guys were getting in. Uh, like this year with Utah, it, it's a very uh, like 50-50 thing. I think obviously we all agree Donovan Mitchell should get in. Rudy Gobert, I'm kind of on the fence on. Like I, it, it's so difficult because 
when it comes to the bench, it's the coaches. Yep. And the, the coaches are going to think through their mindset. And in a coach's mindset, they would believe that a Rudy Gobert should be on the all-star team, as opposed to maybe one of these other guys that may have some more influence on trying to help his team. Like if Bradley Beal was in the West on like a five-win team, they I know they're different positions, but Rudy Gobert would go in over Bradley Beal on some coaches' list because of the way they see it. So that's why sometimes it's a complicated thing when you're talking about the selection process after the starters. Right, right. Situation matters with, no matter what you're breaking down or evaluating. It's a great, that's a fantastic point. My whole thing is there's not a set criteria on yeah. what makes an all-star. Like there's not a set criteria on what an MVP is. There's not a set criteria on what a defensive player of the year is, what a coach of the year is. You have to get X amount of wins, average X amount of points. So it leaves it all for opinions. It's all, what do you look for? What is your definition of valuable? What is your definition of an all-star? Like yeah. you said, is it having a strong contribution to the very successful team? And that's probably why Draymond Green is going to be a Hall of Famer. You can't – and, again, that's another thing. There's not a set criteria on how to do this. So right. I think when you leave it up for opinion, that's what we have these great discussions because there's so many different ways to evaluate it. 100%. Yeah, no doubt. And again, it's it's one of those things that's got, that has to be fluid. But what I like to do, Max, is I like to hear and and take down different takes that I have. And I try to apply that every season, knowing that it's going to blow up in my face that, you know, with, you, you know, the MVP discussion last season, I tried to break down each aspect of it and each angle that everyone was trying to say and who basically took the most you know, who won the most out of those takes and that helped configure who I thought should have been MVP. So it, you can go, go down a whole, you know, rabbit hole of spider webs and all that fun stuff. But it, at the end of the day, like you said, Max, it's all conjecture and preference and, you know, it's never going to be a hundred percent foolproof plan. Although, you know, we crave that, <laughs> that it will be someday <laughs> right on. So, all right, Max, I'm interested now we're going to move on from, our all-star discussion to trade talks. We had our first big trade of the regular season so far, and it involved Mr. Derek Rose going back to New York to play under his beloved coach Tibbs. And the Pistons in turn received this year's 2021 second round pick via the Hornets, which looks like it's not going to be as high as what other people may have anticipated coming into the season. And then a reclamation project in Dennis Smith Jr. Um, Max, when you're evaluating a trade like this, I think obviously, you know, the, the Knicks, they're, they're the surprise team this season. They're competing for the playoffs. They look like they're going to be, you know, in that mix. Derek Rose is a six-man-of-the-year caliber, caliber player. He's former MVP. He's used to his head coach. It feels like that's the win. Is that where is that where you kind of land on this, like kind of who wins the trade, or do you believe in, you know, teams winning trades? Oh, teams definitely win trades. So there's two ways that I look at it. Um, with the NBA, typically whoever gets the, like, don't outthink the room. Whoever gets the star star player typically wins the trade. Typically, that's how it works. Two, I look at it like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So why did Tom Brady want Gronk in the locker room? Because what they were trying to do was create a culture. And when you bring someone that can vouch for you, hey, this guy is really like this. I can vouch for it. It changed that whole culture. Obviously, Tampa Bay had tons of talent, but it was the culture that they were trying to instill because it's just be honest, a poorly ran organization in the years prior. So with the Knicks, let's not beat around the bush. This is a terrible culture. Uh, this team has just been a very dysfunctional franchise for decades now. So with Tibbs, I think it makes sense on so many levels. Obviously, Derrick Rose can still play and contribute on the court. 
Um, he's also a veteran at this point in his career with a young team, but also simultaneously it's buying into what Tibbs is trying to do. So if I've always said well-run organizations and success starts from the top down, it's not a coincidence the Patriots, the Warriors, the Spurs were able to have these dynasties because they were all well-run. Um, and one thing about the Knicks, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. You can look at the Timberwolves, for example. You have prime KG MVP. You've had Kevin Love. You have Cat. doesn't matter who you replace the talent with. If you're not well-run, it, I don't think it, it, you can only overcome so much. Um, it takes a general type of, generational type of talent to overcome, like a LeBron James. Uh, so what the Knicks are trying to do is create a consistent culture. And if they can get that with Tibbs, if they can actually keep this coach and buy into this coach, I think it's a great move because you're trying to create a culture. And Derrick Rose, obviously, him and Tibbs have a great relationship and he'll vouch for him. But that's if you stay with Tibbs. They they kind of flop coaches around like crazy. So if they can stick with this, I like that direction. I've been critical of James Dolan, and obviously he's the owner of the team, so he has the final say. But if this is what their direction is and they stay with it, I like it. Yeah, Jurgen, and you know, at at Off the Ball Network, the network that we're affiliated with, we have, you know, no shortage of Knicks fans within our, you know, group <laughs> chats and things like that. And you, know, we've we've had the pleasure of talking to one of our guys. We're gonna leave him nameless here on the show, but love you by the way, man. If you're listening, yep. um, you know, one of the concerns that 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 I had, and it felt like you shared, and Max, after you know, Jurgen, I talk about this. I'd love to get your take as well. Is that when you have a hungry franchise who's just desperate for wins, right? And they didn't give up a whole heck of a lot. I think that we would all agree. You know, they gave up Charlotte's second round pick. Doesn't look like that's going to, you know, equate to much. You know, granted, you may be able to land, a, you know, you may beat the odds and get a really good player at wherever he lands, right? But in theory, it's not going to be that great of a second round pick. And you get Dennis Smith Jr. by all accounts is probably looked at around the league as a castaway player. You didn't give up a whole lot and you got a really good guy. But what this right. does now is that you're competing for the playoffs. You have Tom Thibodeau, who's done a great job, loves winning. I don't know a single coach who doesn't, but he loves winning. And he's going to get the best out of these guys, especially when they're his guys. So when you add a Derrick Rose, you're already competing for the playoffs. Seemingly, you give up nothing for him. You're going to get even better. So you move away from the top of the draft next se- this upcoming season, which, by the way, is loaded with talent. Um, do you think, Jerg, that this could kind of start a slippery slope of going all in for this season, or do you think that that's looking too far down the road? Uh, it, it really depends on the organization's mindset. Um, I, I think I want to believe that with all the changes that have been happening, because it was a complete change that I, th- I think one of the smart things the Knicks did in the off season, it was complete change. Got a new GM slash VP of basketball operations, got a new head coach, got a new everything. I think if like, if a older, if someone from an older regime was still there, maybe they would push for that. I want to think that in New York, while they're doing so good, I think realistically they could look at it like, okay, Miami has been COVID slash injury prone this entire season so far. They literally just got back their best player like a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at a couple of other teams that are, are just trying to find a stride here. You Toronto, know, like, yeah. Exactly. Toronto has bounced back uh, off an awful start. Indiana, while here and there, we all know they're still a pretty good team. Uh, Brogdon and Sabonis are talented. And Boston, even though they're iffy right now, Jalen Brown and Tatum and Stevens alone give you hope. So I mm-hmm. think you need to be smart with the Knicks. Uh, like you said, Stephen, th- we can all agree this was a lopsided deal. They gave up a bag of balls and a $5 coupon <laughs> to get Derrick Rose back, essentially. And so 
if you can swing another deal like that, I actually think you should do it. Uh, but if one of these deals may cost you a guy that you think you can turn into something, or if it costs you a first round pick, like you're not in the position to give up a first round pick for a player where things could go south. Like we always talk about the teams that they made this deal and they skyrocketed. Plenty of teams have made a first round pick deal. And mm-hmm. so you, you need to have that force. And I think this group of uh, Nick's management and power structure may have that foresight to, to be like, okay, we're not uh, for a marginal upgrade, not worth giving up too much of the future. Let's stand pat for now. Let's let these guys play, you know? Yeah, and now, Max, I'm interested to hear your take on this because right after this deal, their their franchise center, you know, Mitchell Robinson, fractured his hand. He's going to be out for what they're saying around six weeks now. So do you yeah. think that they might start making more deals and giving away a little bit more assets to compete even harder this season? Yeah, because I think you want to do it strategically, to your point. You don't want to just go trading willy-nilly just to trade and say, okay, we're trading. Um, so you don't want to get rid of any of your core, like your foundation. You don't want to get rid of any of your core guys. But what I do think um, is overrated is draft picks. And I do think aggressive wins doing it strategically, but I do think aggressive wins. And what are the Knicks ultimately trying to do? Um, they're trying to create a culture and win. Mm-hmm. And so in order to attract Kevin Durant, didn't even consider going to the Knicks. He went to Brooklyn. It's like a complete slap in the face. Mm-hmm. So, why is that? Because he knows these guys aren't winning. This is not what they're trying to do. So I think you're trying to create, um, you're trying to send a message and ultimately create a culture, and that is win. So if I'm the Knicks, I'm not saying I'm some grand GM, but what I would do is be aggressive and try to make any type of trades that can mm-hmm. enhance your team to win now. Um, because I think the more you win now, the better chance you have of sending a message to the rest of the guys. Hey, look, we're not what you think what we were. We have changed now. And when it gets into that free agency type of season, not only are you the Garden, not only the Mecca, the New York Knicks, now you're a winning culture, or at least on the rise. And I think that's more important than anything. So I would be aggressive in trade now. That's an interesting take. And Max, you know, I respect your opinion, but here's here's where I come from now, right? So we're going all in right now this season to compete for, let's just say, anywhere from the sixth through the eighth seed right now you know i think that their their ceiling to me right now is the sixth seed at dallas they have their first round pick as well for this season but dallas it looks like they're starting to figure things out too so i don't know if winning at all costs this season makes sense with the talent that's looking like it's going to come in you know cade cunningham you know suggs mobley kaminga looks phenomenal already i'm really high on him so I don't know how much I would try to win at all costs this season. And that's why I brought this conversation up because it's, you know, what do you fancy better? Do you, and I kind of, and I see where you're coming from, Max, where you want to send a strong message to free agents that you can win here. Right. But with the talent that's loaded as top heavy in the draft this season and the front office just showed that they can identify talent in the draft too, with Emmanuel quickly, he was phenomenal. And we kind of have to wait we got to wait and see what they can do with Obi Toppin, you know, because Randall's playing well, he's been out early on in the season. So if they can land a top tier talent with the young guys that they have, I think that that builds a little bit more in the future too, because look at what new Orleans is doing right now. Look at what Philadelphia has done. You know, they, they got young guys, Boston. We just got done talking about them. Similar thing, you know, where they identify top tier talent and now people want to come play with them because not only are they winning, but they have those, those you know franchise players right i have two questions for you for, for first one would be 
who are they projected to get? Let's just say they don't – if they were to get the eighth seed, let's say they get the ninth seed or the seventh seed, who are they projected to get? I'm not sure at this moment. Obviously, it's going to change as the season progresses. But what kind of guy can they actually get with that type of seed? Are they going to end up in the lottery with that? Um, typically, if you make the playoffs, you're not going to be a, a lottery yeah. team. Now, granted, they right. do have Dallas's pick, too. That's so I, was we'll, yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure what pick they had through other teams. So mm-hmm. if you're not really going to get that type of guy. I'm not saying that you can't find a gem later on. I mean, we've seen throughout the draft. Um, mm-hmm. There's tons of guys that end up being the steal of the draft or the, the face of the draft. That's not the number one pick. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like when you let's take a look at the history of the game. I feel like there's three ways you can look at the game. It's like analytics, then there's mm-hmm. the eye test, and then the history of the game. What has the history told us? When has taking truly really worked? And people will say, well, look at Golden State. They built through the draft. But if you look at what Golden State did, they didn't necessarily tank. They yeah. just drafted really well. And it's yeah. like, so when is the Philly? Have we really seen the process finish? Like we haven't. We were we're still waiting for it to kind of click. We don't even know if these guys are meant to be together. They're saying trade and beat or trade Simmons, and then the Pelicans aren't looking like they should. And is it that a coaching issue? I'm not sure. And even then, they didn't acquire Brandon Ingram through the draft. They traded for him. Right. Correct. So when is tank? So when is tanking really work? That's a good question, and we actually had that exact same conversation, and Jurgen and I pointed to Philly, and again, you know, we, we just all got done saying that ring culture kind of puts like a, a, you know, a little stigma in what success actually means. Like right now, Philadelphia is number one team in the East right now. Like granted, that right. doesn't get you a ring right now, but it's, right. you got to start somewhere. So they finally get, and what really got them over the top wasn't the talent of Embiid and Simmons. It was the head coaching change. They, yep. they got, got rid it. of Brett Brown who had developed that losing culture where he was like, okay, we'll lose and lose. All right. Now guys, all of a sudden I'm going to magically be able to tell you how to win. They yeah. bring in, you know, doc rivers who has won a ring, but the players are still largely the same. It again, you know, you you can skin this so many different ways, and that's why it's hard. That's why there's no proven way to do yeah. it, you know. So again, I was just curious to see your what your philosophy and take is on there, and you know, very well educated. And I like the fact that you brought up the three ways that you can look at the game. I, I've looked at it like that, but I've never really articulated in that manner before. Well, yeah, because I, I give my opinion on so many different things, so it's because I mean that's kind of my job. But the least I could mm-hmm. do is like. Do my homework. I don't want to just say, okay, this doesn't work. So I'm like, I use that theory with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and I was like, okay, let's look at the stats. Like stats, mm-hmm. obviously, they're amazing. But if you look at the stats, KD and James Harden are actually better when Kyrie's not on the floor. So I'm like, okay, let's look at the eye test. I'm like, okay, they all, both of them need the ball. But it doesn't seem to really work when all three of them are on the court. But talent-wise, you could probably override everything because how talented they are. So then I looked at the history of the game. And I was like, when have we ever seen... We've seen three stars work, right? You've had that in Miami, you've had it in Boston, you've had it in Golden State. But when have you ever seen the best player take that tertiary role, that that third role? Because in Golden State, it was it wasn't a ball dominant offense; it was a motion offense. Mm-hmm. But in this, your James Harden and Kyrie need the ball. We've never seen that work before. Right? Because in Miami, Chris Bosh took the third role. Yeah. And then in Boston, obviously, we know who took the third role. So we've never seen that before. So I'm like, man, if you look at it through that lens. I think Brooklyn needs to trade Kyrie Irving. And so that's kind of where I came up with that theory. Makes sense. Right on, right on. And it's interesting, too, just to that point to see how James Harden has turned into the de facto point guard. You know, he just had, I think, like 15 assists last night. It was insane. It was a really great game on his part. 
But all right, so Max, we have a couple fun little games. We just had Ronnie Brewer on earlier in the week. And uh, for those who listened on, on the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, we got to hear about Ronnie's incredible story, incredible journey, all the all the great you know coaches and players that he got to work with and alongside. But we skipped our one of our favorite show or you know games here on the show is pass or shoot. Now Max is okay. it's basically yes, it's a yes or no, but if it's a basketball show, so we got to make it basketball related. <laughs> so yeah. what we're gonna do is we're gonna ask you three trade based questions, and if you agree with it, you shoot. If you don't agree with it, you pass. All right, y'all ready? All right, I am a shooter though, so I have to give you a heads up. I do shoot. I do shoot, shoot the ball. So, okay, we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see. You you may pull a James Harden and turn into an assist machine right. here. <laughs> there we go. All right. So first one, Max, pass or shoot. Bradley Bill gets dealt this season. Pass. I think he needs to, but pass. What what holds him up from getting traded? That whole situation is just so weird. It's like I don't ever like to speak on something I don't truly know. So it's so hard because we don't we know very little. It's like. Mm-hmm. We he shouldn't want to be there, right? It's like you're not getting the accolades, even though you're putting up the stats, and you're not getting the wing. And so, it's like typically, when a player doesn't receive both, you're like, okay, he just wants it for the money. But if you look at Bradley Beal and you look at his character, you're like, oh, he's not that type of guy who just wants the money. He seems like a guy who wants to win. He's like, he's a real good guy, um, and the way players talk about him. So, for the record, it doesn't mean you're a bad guy if you want the money. But um, sure, I, I know what you but, mean. Yeah, but I feel like Bradley Beal wants to be traded, but every time he has an interview or an opportunity to utilize his leverage, he doesn't. And so with that with that confusion and what are they going to get in return for Beal, what teams can really make a realistic trade package for him, I just don't feel we're going to see it. I personally want to see it for not only him, but a team to see. Just It's just interesting to see play the different teams, and I think he could really benefit a team to win a title. And I want to see him in that situation, kind of like what we're seeing with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Finally, we get that with Devin Booker, but mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to say pass. Okay, fair enough. Jurgen, he, uh, Max just passed to you. You shooting or right. you passing it? Uh, my, my only thing is that when you add that he gets dealt this season, that's the only part that kind of like sticks right. with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I'm on Max's side fully. Like I think he should get dealt, and I would love to see him get dealt this season, especially to one of these playoff teams or teams trying to claw back in. But like, what team can create a realistic package? Like that—that's the major question. Like you have some teams that are kind of gun shy because some teams just do value first-round picks at the end of the day or try to stick with it with some of the players they have. Some teams maybe they don't think they have the assets for some reason. Like they're, like teams always get gun shy when it comes to pulling off that trade. And so that's the only reason why I'm going to pass it here because I, what team is going to go full, like all chips to the table, like, all right, 30 point per game score, come to us. We're going to put out this many people on the roster, pick and choose what you want, add some picks and boom. Like it has to be something like that. Like how many teams are willing to do that? I can only maybe think of one or two, like, you know, that's why I'm going to say pass. You're going to want to win now. And like someone like Jerry West could pull it off. I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. And they had to give up so many assets anyway in that Paul George deal. So it's like, right, right. Kind of handicapped themselves from getting that, that third star to, to an extent, to an extent. All right. So, uh, y'all, y'all are a little trigger, uh, shy today. I'll shoot. I think that there Ooh. are a couple teams that can, that can and should. Um, and I think that out of the three, I got three on the, just off the top of my head that I think could, Denver, I think that Denver could. They have the the assets. They have the cap space. They have 
the the salaries to be able to match it with guys like a Will Barton. You got a uh, you know um, Gary Harris. Yeah, Gary yep. Harris. I'm yeah, sorry. Gary I always Harris, get yeah. him and Gary Neal mixed up. Gary Neal <laughs> yeah. doesn't even play basketball anymore, so I always find myself saying that name. So you got Gary Harris. You've got Will Barton, and then you have a Michael Porter Jr. or a Bull Bull, you know, a, a nice young prospect. And they got draft picks that they can throw their way as well. So, and you got, you know, RJ Hampton. So there are some young guys that you can put out there, uh, you know, a, a Monte Morris backup point guard who could come in and probably even give you starting minutes if you need it. So, Denver, they have pieces. I look at a team like Memphis. How nasty would a John Morant, Bradley Bill backcourt be? Mm. And they have, you know, your. Justice Winslow's, your Dylan Brooks's, your Jonas Valanciunas contracts that you can get in there and match it. They have a couple young guys that they can put in that deal too, and they have most of their draft picks. And then I look at the Atlanta Hawks. Now I'm a little shy that, and I'm a little shy to think that they would do this because they're within the same division. But man, you know, Collins has an expiring contract. Do they want to renew that when they're going to be looking to you know pay you you know Ice Trey here soon, Trey Teal, whichever nickname you want to call him. Um, and, and they got the salaries to be able to match it. You got, you know, DeAndre Hunter, if you want to put him in a deal, you got Cam, if you want to put him in a deal, you got Danilo Gallinari for salary matching. You got so many guys on that Atlanta team that may feel like they're Bradley Bill away from making legitimate steps. So I think that there are a couple teams that could make that deal and should, if I was in charge, I would. All right, Max. So we got, um, two more deals that we're going to go through. So we're going from Bradley Bill to now. Kimball Walker gets dealt out of Boston. Are you passing or shooting? Tough one. Um, I personally want to shoot it. <laughs> I really do. Um, but they're going to pass it. Because if we look at, in my opinion, because if we look at Kevin McHale, um, not Kevin McHale, I'm sorry, Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. He has a hi- yeah, he has a history of being kind of hesitant with these trades. And he doesn't always pull the trigger when I feel like he should. Um, and if you look at what they've lost versus what they've gotten in return, you're like, man, why wouldn't you have traded? You could have gotten so much with these assets that you ended up eventually losing, but he's kind of trigger shy. Um, so that being said, I think they're going to be patient with him and I think they're going to wait. And I feel like they feel they have a championship team. And so if they just, if he just plays a little bit better, we're right there. I think they hold on to him. Okay. Fair enough. Jerk. How do you feel? Pass or shoot? Uh, I'm, uh, well, I'll say this, like you, like with you, Stephen, if it was up to me, I would shoot on this, even if I'm the Celtics. I have, after seeing what's happened so far this season, I've convinced myself that Kemba Walker is going to be, if not the primary reason, then the, the next primary reason of why the Celtics will lose in a playoff series to one yeah. of the top tier teams in the league. Uh, I, I I know he's been injured, like some lingering stuff, but just some of these bad performances that we, we've seen from him. And I, I was always kind of bullish on him on the defensive end. Like, I know Brown and Tatum are there, but Kemba's starting to give me some Isaiah Thomas vibes from his time in Boston. If it was up to me personally, I would shoot. But I'm going to pass for the one simple reason, and Max brought it up, Danny Ainge, because I think Kemba has now reached a point, and may, maybe this is just my point of view, and if it is, I will stand alone on this and maybe catch a boat to Cruise Island for all our off-the-ball network uh, fans watching, watching this. But... I think to move Kemba, I think you need to actually give a team a first round pick to take on that salary for the next three years. I really do. Like if, if, and some of the teams that we talked about, Steven, like if hypothetically, if you want to try to get, if you're Boston, you want to try to get like Andre Drummond, Cleveland has no reason to want to have Kemba Walker, not only because of the salary, they already have Sexton and Garland. Like they just mm-hmm. figured out how to make it work with them. Now you want to bring in a third guard who you kind of have to start because of that salary. Like what team would want to give up their young assets? Like, 
would Charlotte somehow trade back for him? That'd be wild if it happened, but like, <laughs> would, be nuts. would they like, and then you have Hayward and Kemba there. Do they want to pay the luxury tax when like they're, they're kind of in that Knicks tier where it's like they're better this season, what we've expected. What's the long-term looking like? Like it's various things to where in my mind, I'm like, I, he's not that enticing. So me personally, I'm going to pass it back to you, Steven. And I'm going to pass it to, I guess, just the ether. <laughs> I, I don't think that, I think the salary is really what's going to do it. And uh, they do have that massive trade exception that they can still use that they got with that Gordon Hayward situation. So I don't think that they have to marry, uh, you know, Kimba to any sort of trade to bring someone back in. But um, I, it was just curious because it's it's been rumored for a little while that Kimba might might find his way out. But I think like Jerg, what you said, I think that you're going to have to incentivize a team to bring him on instead of looking for a team that is just dying to have him. So, all right, Max, last one that we have for pass or shoot. Zach Levine gets dealt. In a row. Yeah, I'm two yep. passes in a row. I haven't shot the ball yet. Um, <laughs> Zach Levine, here's your chance. Do you think he you think he gets dealt? No. Um, I'm going to pass again. I want him to. <laughs> so, all mm-hmm. three of these, I want to shoot the ball. But I keep making these passes because the Bulls don't really have a lot going for them. But what they do have going for them is him and Kobe. And so, mm-hmm. Kobe, so if you have both of them, I don't see them wanting to get rid of their best player, their young player. Um, and at the end of the day, it also is a business. And Zach Levine best put butts and seats, not only his dunks, but his performances, his, his points. Um, he's such a dynamic player. So for so many different reasons, like I said, business perspective, the, the style of play side of things, your future, I don't think they do. But again, this is like a very similar situation with Bradley Beal. I would love to see him with an organization where it's like, man, I, I want to see him on that big stage, make those big plays. Cause I actually had an opportunity to interview him and he's an awesome guy. And I just think he can really benefit that team. That's just trying to get over the hump. You got a Denver. Um, and that was a really good point bringing up Denver. Cause I think they could use someone like that. Um, but no, I, I think he stays. So I'm going to pass the ball. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Jurgen, what do you think? We have forced a shooter to turn into a passer tonight. I'm, I'm James <laughs> Harden. He is uh, reborn. But, right, right. But but Max, you know, I've I've passed it to Stephen both times. A little hockey assist type of thing to try to do it. I'm actually going to shoot this one here. Okay. Uh, try to be different first of all. Uh, but second, like right. the team that you both of you have mentioned, and I, I'm just going to steal this real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Denver Nuggets. If you can't, if your trade package, like let's say they make the trade package to Bradley Beal and Washington's like, we need a little more. What I would personally do then I would call up Chicago and try to get it like this. Like as great as Zach Levine has been for that team, like they are not on the Knicks or the Hornets to where it's like, we have seen a little bit this season where you can say, maybe we should give Julius Randall a contract extension. Gordon Hayward seems a, a little more worth the money now than what everyone was saying when he first signed it. Which, by the way, if yeah. the Knicks were in the Bulls' case of a five-six win team, I think you trade Julius Randle playing at at this level because you need to maximize your value on a player that realistically, if we don't think the Bulls are going to be able to fix this for another two to three years, like all depends on perspective. But let's say it takes them two to three more years. Zach Levine, like I think he's just about entered his prime already. So now you have wasted two to three years of his prime to finally become maybe a mid-level playoff team at best. So I think if you can maximize his value, which I think we can all agree the highest his value will ever be is now. Like if you can get a team like Denver to give you like a Michael Porter Jr. back in the deal, 
or if you can go to an Atlanta and swing a deal with them because they don't like Laurie Markkinen. Who's to say Atlanta, Chicago, John Collins goes back to Chicago in that deal, along with either Reddish or Hunter. Both their skill sets are too similar. And that like two, uh, the shooting and small forward rooms are so crowded. You can trade one of them and get a player back like a Levine. Like I'm going to shoot just because there are teams that can make great trade packages so that should entice Chicago to give up Levine because if, if you would have told me two to three years ago, you can maybe get two to three first round picks back or two first round picks and two really good prospects back for Levine. I wouldn't have thought that because we didn't see anything yet. Now it's wholly realistic. Like, okay, we can flip him, get some picks back, get some pretty good young players back that we could work with. I, I, I shoot that one. That's a great point. That is a great point. Uh, I'll let you go before I say something crazy. Okay, well, I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, I'm going to pass it to you, Max, and I'm going to say that they don't, and here's why. The play-in tournament. Right now, the Bulls are the 11th seed. In Chicago, I think that they would love to be able to be in a play-in tournament. The inaugural one where the ninth and the 10th seed they're going to be in there gives their team a little bit more exposure on the national media, and um, I think that there's going to be a way that that they're going to look at that situation and think that they could be in there. But Max, go ahead, man. What was your point? Looks like you're leading the team in scoring, Dorgan. Um <laughs> I'm going to say I have really believed in this. I'm going to say it now because we brought up the Hawks a couple of different times. I believe the Hawks are going to make the finals in a couple of years. Like I think they're the team of the East, like for the future. I, I, obviously, we look at Dallas, who you could say is maybe having a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, compared to expectations, because our expectations are everything. Um, but I think Dallas is the future of like the West. And then for the East, I'm a huge believer in the Atlanta Hawks. So if the Atlanta Hawks were able to pull up something um, with Zach Levine, that would be ridiculous. With Trey Young, Zach Levine, and the young talent that they have, I love the direction Atlanta's heading in. So just want to be on record with your show saying that, because I really do believe that's the team of the future. Absolutely, William. You have them picking up Levine. I have them picking up Bill. I mean, Atlanta, if you're listening, you got the assets. Go make a move. Yeah. And you can be that team in the future. And Max, you, it's funny you bring that up because their front office is from Golden State and they're doing a lot of the same you know, developmental steps in their process to be able to go and compete for championships for years to come, right? Yeah, I don't want to say next Golden State because that was like all-time stuff. So I'm not saying right. they'd be the greatest team of all time. But they're going. They're on that path of being the next Golden State as far as building through their the way you're talking about. So I, I really do see that. Yeah, they they have that upward trajectory, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Max. Well, the last game that we're going to play here is our conference big three. Um, I went through here with Austin already, and we have our conference big three. What I'll do for you, Max, is I will let you know who we have as our top three teams in each conference. And basically, the way this works is it's not just who are the best you know, three teams, one through three in the standings. It's, you know, who they've beaten, who they've lost to, what was our expectations of this team coming in, you know, their current mm -hmm. streaks and stuff like that. So it's a living, okay. breathing thing. It's not just Googling, you know, NBA standings and putting the top three teams. So um, in the East, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, number one. They haven't moved up or down at all. Or I mean, down, obviously. Um, they're 18 and nine. They have a two-game losing streak. Second, we have the Milwaukee Bucks who have also stayed second. They're 16-10 and 10 on a two-game losing streak. And then the Nets kind of surplanted last night the Boston Celtics, who we we're going to put in, who they just lost to the Wizards. And then the Nets just beat the Warriors. So we were going to have the Celtics third, but we have the Nets there. They stay there from last week, who were 16-12, and 12, and they're on a two-game win streak. 
Max, what do you think of our Eastern Conference Big Three? Can you say the Big Three one more time? We have Sixers, Bucks, Nets. Okay. Um, so I'm going to disagree with you with one of them. Um, and that is I'm going to replace the Bucks with Boston. So I'd have Brooklyn, Boston, and Philly. I've never okay. been sold I've never been sold on Milwaukee. Um, covering the Magic, I got to interview Giannis, which I absolutely love. So I'm a I'm a firm believer in Giannis because I love um, he has a trait that you can't put on a stat, like his desire to be great and his hunger and love for basketball, I think means so much when you evaluate the all-timers. And so I'm a firm believer in Giannis, but I'm just not sold on their style of play to win and like really win a championship because we've seen it time and time again. It's the Giannis train and I've compared them to George Foreman. It's like, yeah, they have that left hook. And if you get hit by that left hook, you're done. But once mm-hmm. you kind of figure it out, there's not multiple layers to this team, in my opinion, picking up Drew Holiday was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I think Boston is more of like a Muhammad Ali. You look at Brooklyn. I haven't done Brooklyn yet, but there's just layers to it. You got the jab, you got the cross, you got the footwork, you got the role players, you got the coach. I just, I'm not sold on the Bucks because once you create that wall and you stop Giannis, you're expecting these role players to play outside of their role and you're expecting them to do more than what they're accustomed to doing all season long. So it happens time and time again in the playoffs. I just feel like when you keep seeing something, why am I going to expect a different result when their when their pattern hasn't changed? And so even though they have Drew Holiday, which I like I said, I really do like one of the most underrated players in the league, I'm just not sold on the Bucks. So in the postseason, for me, I have Brooklyn going to the finals off pure talent. I think they lack depth and they lack defense, but when you have three guys who can give you forty each, it sometimes that just isn't normal. So it just kind of overrides everything. Philly's clicking. We talked about the head coach, so I'm, so I'm I like Philly. Still, don't think we've seen best from um, Simmons, and then obviously mm-hmm. Embiid's having MVP season, and then I like Boston. I really like Jalen Brown because that duo is the best young duo in the league. Because you can argue one is better than the other. Yeah, and and not to mention too, Harris is having a tremendous season for Philadelphia as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then um, Max in our Western Conference, our big three. We have the Utah Jazz number one. Uh, they have actually moved up a spot from last week. They are twenty-two and five on a seven-game win streak. The Los Angeles yeah. Lakers have moved down one. Uh, they were number one last week. They are now second. They are twenty-one and six on a seven-game win streak. And then, brand new to our big three, the Phoenix Suns have moved up yeah. to the third spot. They're sixteen and nine on a five-game win streak. Uh, Jerg, I want to get your take on this real quick. I was high on the Suns going into the season, so to hear that they have made it there, you know, personal pride. Uh, but I would still have to put the Clippers in the top three. I know they they maybe haven't been as impressive as most but Like, my thing is, and I think Max was thinking it with how he placed his three. At the end of the day, I have to think of the playoffs. And mm-hmm. so while I love Phoenix, while I love what Chris Paul has done, I got to place the Clippers above them, and I got to put the Lakers above the Jazz. Respectfully to Utah, like, the fact they're doing – so well is great. I love the fact that a, a market like them is seeing this kind of success. But at the end of the day, there is no team that I've seen yet in the Western Conference that's going to convince me you're going to beat LeBron and AD four times out of seven. And that's ultimately what I'm going to hang my hat on. Again, respect to Phoenix and Utah, but I got to go with the established Western powers that we've seen since going back to last season. I'm just going to push back a little bit and I'll hand it right to you, Max. <laughs> You got to you got to penalize Los Angeles for just kind of daydreaming through the season <laughs> a little bit like Anthony Davis kind of man like he's still having a good season but he's not 80 right now. Right. LeBron James has been phenomenal but you know they're still I don't think that you should sleepwalk when you have you know half of your roster is brand new. Max what do you think? 
No, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think we've seen, obviously, the Clippers are an example of this, where it's like, oh, this team is so great. They're the powerhouse of the West, and we're going to be fine. And then if you sleepwalk for too long, it's going to come back and bite you. So I definitely agree with that. But all that being said, I'm going to agree with you, sir. The Lakers are my number one. I have them repeating and winning a championship. Um, I would go Clippers number two, and then I would go Utah Jazz. And shout out to Kendrick Perkins, too, because he always was talking about the Suns and how he believed in them. And they really have played fantastic basketball. And I think what Chris Paul has done, he deserves his flowers for just keep on going to all these different organizations and just changing their cultures. And so impressive to me. But back to the what, what is it all about you're trying to win a championship so mm-hmm. if i look at it who's realistically giving the best opportunity to win a championship it's the lakers because i think they win it and i think the clippers and i think the jazz i think the jazz are just clicking on all cylinders right now they have that momentum yep. everyone knows their role they're well coached they have depth so all that being said i put the jazz third in there but yeah lakers clippers jazz Fair enough and all fair points. You know, again, this is throughout the season. It's taking into consideration who's beating who, who's losing to who. And right now, I think that the Suns, they're, they've beaten some really good teams. Oh, yeah. I think that the, the Utah Jazz, they just beat the Bucks, who we just got done mentioning in our in our Eastern Conference, right? So a lot of interesting ways that you can dissect this. But ultimately, that's just the way that we here on the show do it. But all respect to you that at the end of the day, the ring is king, right? So right. um. That's that's it for the show, though, guys. Uh, Max, just want to appreciate you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Really appreciate it. We got to do this again sometime, man. But um, before we let you go, just tell the folks where they can find you on social media and some of the stuff that you have going on with you that they can kind of keep up with. Right. Uh, no, this is fantastic. Seriously, thank you guys for having me on. Anytime you want me on, I would absolutely love to. And if you guys ever want to come on my show, you're more than welcome to. Um, and I love the way you guys mixed up these different segments because it's like we're all watching the same thing but we're finding different ways to talk about it and finding different ways to view it and i thought it was real creative what you guys did i really enjoyed it um as far as you can find me i'm on instagram i'm on twitter max van auken and that's a kind of unique last name so it's v-a-n space a-u-k-e-n um my podcast is available there link is in bio and that's available on any podcast platform apple podcast iHeartRadio, spotify stitcher radio also on youtube and then, um, yeah, everything else I'm doing, like I said, I pretty much post every Twitter and Instagram seem to be just kind of like the holy grail of everything um, when it comes <laughs> to just building your platform and building your brand. So if you follow me on those two things, you'll pretty much be able to find anything you need about me. Excellent. Well, good stuff, Max and Dragon. What a treat it was to have Max on today, right? Absolutely. I loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. And as for us, you can follow Jerg at um, JergK40 on Twitter. And that's the same on Instagram, correct? Yep. Keep it All right. Simple. Yep. Perfect. Got it. And then as for myself, you can follow me at Stephen BTG on Twitter. That BTG stands for Breaking the Game, which is the name of the show that you're listening to right now on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. You can follow me on Instagram at Stephen W. Gillespie. And you can follow the show itself on both platforms at BTG NBA Pod. Be sure to go and look up Breaking the Game anywhere you get your podcasts. You know, download, subscribe, share, rate and review. Five stars helps a lot more than you will ever know so please take the time out of your day go do that write us something nice in our review but for our special guest max for the nothing but net channel here on dash radio for the off the ball network where you can go to off the ball network.com for all your sports needs go and do that um for my special guest uh jerk for austin who can't be here today and for myself we have been the break in the game show we will catch up with you guys next time much love everybody